Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Amen. Amen. Well, hello, church. Give God some praise. Come on, just let him know that you're grateful for all that he's done. We welcome everybody joining us through technology, wherever they might be, whether they're watching live with us now or sometime during the week. We're just grateful to be able to keep ministering to people. Amen. It's been a crazy year. Understatement of the year right there, huh? Anybody else feel like somebody put you on a roller coaster about mid-March and it's November and they won't let you off? That's kind of the way it feels. Like, I feel like I, somebody put me on the hurler. None of y'all don't remember the hurler. Back in Carowinds, back in the day, old wooden roller coaster was like this. You got off, you needed a neck brace for three weeks. We can run that crazy thing. That's kind of what I feel because I feel seriously, even emotionally, can I just have a vulnerable moment? I'm just all over the place. Can anybody relate? Let me, let me feel normal. Where you have days where you just feel overcome with worry. It feels like out of nowhere, discouragement crashes over the bow of your life and it feels like you're gonna sink. And you don't even know what to do and you don't even know why it came. Maybe you were watching the news or if, God forbid you got on Facebook and something just struck you and all of a sudden it's like you are fine and then boom, stuff starts to just well up in you. But then you have those days where you're just not overcome with worry but you're just overwhelmed with gratitude. Because when you really look and you pay attention, as crazy as this year has been, God's favor and goodness is littered all throughout it. That if you're paying attention, you can see the goodness and the favor of God. And this week, I had several reminders of that. I don't know if it was because it was Thanksgiving and as we move towards that, that Thursday in November, our spirit starts to just kind of feel obligated to pay more attention and be more grateful. But I had several moments throughout this week where I was just overwhelmed with the goodness and favor of God. Because as crazy as this year has been, as I look back on it, I see him working in grander ways than I've ever seen him work before. I see moments and places where he has provided for me and my family and our church and the families of our church in ways that are only explainable by God. And so you have to just pause and take notice and say, God, I know this world is crazy, but you are good. And your faithfulness endures forever. And this week, as I watched our church be the church that I've always known it to be, there were moments when I was just in awe that I get to be the pastor. Y'all don't know how many times I've prayed in 12 years, Lord, please don't let me mess this up. Because what you are doing in this little old church in Random in North Carolina is greater than most people could ever think was possible. And I have moments where I felt like Paul. When Paul writes to these different churches or these different people as he's penning his epistles, he says things that strike a chord in my spirit. Like in Philemon chapter one, start with verse six. It says, I pray that your partnership with us 
in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. In the last 12 years, I keep watching Scripture jump off the page and step into my life. And when he says, I'm grateful for this partnership that we have developed that the result of which is causing a refreshing to sweep across the Lord's people. And as Tuesday, I watched volunteers at this church from basically the crack of dawn until late into the evening be the hands and feet of Jesus. I felt just like Paul. Looking around thinking, I'm so grateful to be in partnership with these people. That collectively what we are doing is greater than we can even realize in this moment. The fruit that we are experiencing in this place, I don't even know we'll be able to measure till we get to heaven. It's that huge. Paul would also write to the Philippian church. Look at Philippians chapter one. Start with verse three. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That Paul's thinking about these people that he had the opportunity to do ministry with. And he says, every time, I, every time your face comes to my mind, I'm just filled with gratitude that we get to partner together in this ministry and that's what I have felt as I've walked through this week, being reminded that as crazy as this year has been, God is still moving and working and using his church to bring glory to his name and show people his love. That the vehicle has not stopped. And I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. And as I reflect on the fact that we're continuing to do this, that word partnership just jumped off the page because that's the word that we use around here. I don't know what your experience is in church, but maybe you're used to being a member at a church. We're not a member. We don't do membership because we're not a country club. We never wanted to be a club with members. We wanted to be the church with partners. We didn't want to have a group of people that was consumed with the amenities but was overwhelmed with the responsibilities that we all have to minister for the gospel. And it's because of this partnership that God has done so much that you and so many others have been willing to take ownership of inspiring people to live in love like Jesus in a way unlike I've ever experienced in my life. Because see, we can talk all about mission and vision as we've done throughout this series, but the reality is a, a vision without resources will never become a reality. A vision without resources will never become a reality. It's because of your generosity, because you have constantly made the decision to sow your resources into the ministry of this church that we have done the amazing things through the grace of God that we've done over the last 12 years. Your willingness to not settle for just being a member, but to be a partner and to link arms 
with the other people that call this church home, watching our ministry expand, that could only allow us in a year that's so crazy, in 2020, in a year where we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to do our Thanksgiving meal initiative, not only did we do it, we did it bigger than we've ever done it before. And that ain't because of me or any of our pastors. It's because of the generosity of so many. And the reality is everything that we've experienced over the last 12 years is due to your generosity. That you have sacrificed and served in such a way that it has expanded this church and this community, and in turn, building the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to know how honored and grateful I am to be your pastor. The fact that you sacrifice and serve in the ways that you do, it blows my mind. And as I continue to read scripture, it's like scripture is coming off the pages and constantly into my real life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes what we're experiencing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, start with verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul says, because of your generosity, it is overflowing in such a way that it's causing people everywhere to give thanks and honor and glory to God. That because you're generous, we're generous. And the reason why our vision has become reality is because your willingness to invest resources in it. And if nothing else today, I want you to walk away knowing how grateful I am for that that you have invested in the ministry of this church and that investment has eternal kingdom impact. And you know, at this church, you've, not, you've invested on every level. You spend time and energy from the volunteers who show up here on Sunday morning blowing off the parking lot just so it's nice and clean when you show up 
to our kids' volunteers who are back there right now having to follow some really hard protocols, but to ensure they're laying a foundation of faith for your children. To the people who practice and work so hard to show up here and stand on this stage every single weekend and lead us into the throne room of God. And to the way that you financially give. The way that you trust us with your hard-earned dollar blows me away. In the most difficult year that any of us have ever experienced, this church will by far bring in more financial resources than any other year in its history. And I know once the preacher starts talking about money, people start getting weird. But the reality is the ministry of God's church doesn't happen without the money of God's people. And I just want you to know that we don't take it lightly that you choose to financially invest in this church to make it happen. We are humbled and honored and our goal is to steward every dime well to make sure that you feel like when you're giving your hard-earned money to this place, it is being spent with intention and driven by vision because you should never give to anything or anybody you don't trust. And our goal is to be as transparent as we possibly can in order to earn that trust to where you feel like when you are financially giving to this church, you are investing in something that you can believe in. And so this week, I wanted you to hear a little bit more about how we do that. Because we want you to know these things. And we actually have a staff member who's our executive pastor, Lyle Denton, who the big portion of his job is to make sure that our pastors have the resources necessary to fund their vision and to make sure we honor every dollar that you guys give. And so in this conversation with him, we're gonna pull back the curtain a little bit and let you just hear a little bit more so that we're transparent with you and can earn your trust even more. So listen in to a conversation with our executive pastor, Lyle Denton. Well, today we're finishing up Live Love, the 2020 version. And you've been here for all of them because you're like OG vintage. Um, Jasmine's kind of already sat down and kind of told a little bit about her story, but she's kind of got drug into this, I guess, by you because... How did you even hear that I was planting a church? Did I tell you at something in South Carolina? Yeah, I was at a summer camp, I think at Table Rock, South Carolina, and hadn't seen you in months. Knew you were in Greensboro area, kind of in the back of my mind, but anyway, just saw you and thought, hey, I'm gonna go talk to Matt. Asked what you were doing, and you said, planting this church in Greensboro. Yeah. So that's how I knew. And I remember we had, we'd already moved to Greensboro, and we were kind of just getting started and somehow you, you got my number and you called me and said, hey, dude, I wanna hear more about this church plant. What made you even take that step? Uh, halfway through my senior year of college, I realized, oh no, I'm about to graduate and I don't have a plan. So uh, I spent a few days just with that rolling around in my head and nothing came from that thought other than I wanna reach out to Matt and see what's going on and can I somehow be a part of it? 
So I had your number from, I guess, before. Yeah. That was it. Because, yeah, when, when we were in South Carolina, we, we started a contemporary service at the church that we were pastoring at. And you were friends with a guy who was very involved at that church at the time and used to come play guitar. And so I guess that's where we met. Um, and yeah, I remember you called me and I think you said, hey, like, do you need somebody to lead worship? And I was like, dude, we need somebody to do everything. I want people to hear the heart behind the way we approach finances and funding ministry and that kind of stuff because I think people need to hear that stuff. People trust us with their hard-earned money and giving them kind of an opportunity to look behind the curtain and hear how we approach finances and funding ministries and that kind of stuff. So just start talking about all that stuff. Well, one, I think it's good that you're not in it and not, when you say you're not a money person, I mean, like, you can add. So you're not disqualified for anything. But I think for you and lead pastors in general, it's good for you to not have to think about it, have to worry about it, have maybe the target on your back or the temptation or people, I don't know, thinking, I can write this check and then the pastor's gonna have lunch with me or weird stuff like that. Um, yeah. I don't think it's appropriate probably for the lead pastor to be super involved in it. Not because you might do something sketchy, but I don't know, it, would ju- it could potentially paint a different picture in your mind of people and stuff like that. So I'm glad that you're not in it. Yeah, and, and it and gives with you that, the time to do what you should do. And There's a burden that I don't carry knowing that somebody like you is paying attention to that stuff because it takes money to run the church. Yes. <laughs> and I think one of the things that can hinder pastors from vision and leadership is to be consumed with the bottom line and that kind of stuff. And I don't have to worry about that because there's somebody as strategic as you thinking Yeah, and about sometimes it's heavy and sometimes it's not, but it's um, still overwhelming, a lot of times in a good way, of thinking how do we grow, and it's all discipleship. How do we better disciple and enable our people to do what God wants them to do financially. Well, one of the things I think has been cool since you've stepped into this role and into this area of our church is you've, you've kind of been the architect with how we fund ministry. Talk about just like the philosophy behind that and just kind of the things that you've tried to strategically implement so that our church can function properly. And as detailed as you want to be, I know it seems may get kind of it can get kind of like in the weeds really quickly. But I I want people to understand kind of our philosophy behind how we invest the resources that we're given. Each department budgets for a calendar year. So like worship has a budget, production, kids, students, facilities, operating. Everybody has their own, and we're big in telling the department pastors and leaders to to use the budget as a tool. Like it is the roadmap to fund your ministry. So God gives you, you know, in alignment with our church, like the current vision, but God gives you a vision on how to accomplish that within your ministry. And then you use a budget like a planning tool. You sit down with a calendar and sit down with how we do budgets and start figuring out, you know, 
how do I fund what God's calling me to do? When am I going to do it? All that. So each department puts that together. Um, we kind of sit down and filter through it. Then it goes to our elder team, ultimately for them to put the final stamp of approval on really the overall dollar amount. We trust all of our pastors and leaders well enough that if they feel like they need something and they put it in their budget, then they, they need it. Um, like we don't really nitpick what they're going to do. So basically, I mean, it's very much a staff-led budget process, elder approved. So each department goes at it that way versus uh, there could be a temptation to just say, let's just give, maybe the church leadership decides, let's just give this department 6000 because last year they spent 5000 and let's just give this department 2000 because they never spend money or whatever. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of backwards because you could be tying up those resources on some department that could, that money could go to some something else that's actually accomplishing the mission and vision of the church. So, and we feel like our pastors know that their area of ministry better than anybody. So, <clears throat> yeah. So that's it. Let let the staff create the budget basically, and then we track every month what you know comes in and what goes out. And if there's a month where we're low, if we don't bring in enough, then Two months later, we cut that, so we kind of always, because we can't control income in a church. You know, we can't sell more stuff. We're dependent on people being obedient and hoping that the money comes in that we told production they're going to get to spend in March or May or whenever. So um, it's kind of a balancing act to even out spending when income could be or giving could be all over the place. But luckily, we have a good team of staff that doesn't, they get it, you know, they they budget uh, like in a very vision way, and then they stay on top of it. Um, we have a good elder team that is very smart and capable and helps make sure we don't set a number too high, but they also, once they've given that stamp of approval, I mean, we're ready to roll, so. Yeah, and you know, the, the reason why this is a good time to have this conversation is because we've just spent several weeks unpacking vision, and I go back to maybe something I said earlier, that vision without resources is just a dream. That every single part of our vision requires resources. It requires money. It requires investment. And, you know, I think that transparency builds trust. And we've been as transparent as we can possibly be when it comes to money. And not just that people can see it, but how strategically we're approaching it. Yeah. What else do you want to say about just overall finances and vision? And yeah, I mean, there's, I don't, maybe, there's just a lot I'm proud of. I'm proud of, obviously, this is my only employment, ministry employment has been at Vintage. But through it, you know, we bump into other church leaders and other churches and just in the church world, you read articles and watch webinars and all that. And I'm really proud of how we, handle giving, um, you know, you know, how secure it is, how we do budgeting, and even statistics on the number of people that give. Most churches, and who knows how 2020 will change this, but, because uh, every stat has basically been thrown out the window, but there's something like 20% of the church congregation are the people that fund most churches, you know, and we have more than that. So, there's just a lot about vintage that I think is brag-worthy. There's so much that, that Lyle won't say because he, he doesn't want the attention or the credit for it. But even the, 
the things that, that you were the driving force in implementing before 2020 ever came. You know, we talk about how when COVID hit, if you had a pre-existing condition, it kills you. It's the same way for churches, organizations, and businesses. The pre-existing culture before COVID hit is shaping how we're all navigating this. And you were one of the first ones to push us towards digital giving, the right digital giving platform, people to get into recurring giving and all that kind of thing. And then even, and I don't know if people even really caught this, the way that we strategically budget, that people have a monthly budget within their yearly budget. And so when COVID hit, we were, we were on pace because we're not just spending these, it's not like we've handed $25,000 to a single department and they got to spend it in January. Right, yeah, we know from month to month to month what's gonna go out. And some of that we can control. So Obviously in COVID hit, rent, but yeah. we were able to adjust in a way yeah, we were able to ratchet spending down to the bare necessities and ask departments and look at on paper because we'd already done, they'd done the hard legwork of what do you absolutely have to have and can get by with during this time and, and not. And so we, there was already a lot of legwork done, luckily through our budgeting process that made some of those conversations easier. But yeah, we were able to, to hit pause on some stuff and then already have an accurate picture of, of what has to go out, what has to come in. Um, God has been extremely faithful though and people have been extremely faithful and extremely obedient in that we haven't seen a hit. A couple final thoughts. Uh, anything you just wanna say to those folks who financially have made our church possible for the last 12 years? <laughs> I've tried to think about what could, other than like, thank you. Yeah, it sounds not, like not enough. I don't know what the word is uh, to just say thank you. Yeah. I hope my prayer would be like that passage in Philippians that God has done more for those givers and they've gotten more out of their giving than we have or mm. even the recipients of this ministry of vintage have. You know, I hope, because I've sat across the table with people who have in tears talk about what their giving has done for them mm. and how God has blessed them and been faithful. And I have, you know, the stories in my life. And Pretty much everybody, I feel like if you get into a deep conversation of somebody who faithfully and obediently gives, they'll start rattling that stuff off of we started giving or we upped our giving or whatever. There's something about giving. There was a switch where we became faithful in it and then God provided and God did this and God did this. And to the point where now, anytime God asks them to do something, they just do it. They have such a trust knowing God will be faithful. And so I would say that one, thank you. And we don't do a good enough job as, as vintage at celebrating the stories and showing them how their giving has impacted the kingdom. We need to do better at that. Yeah. But I would just say, I hope and I pray and I believe that the givers who have made this possible have gotten more out of it and God has blessed them. So. Yeah. Well, I've told people for years that Lyle believed in me or believed in vintage before anybody ever should have. And dude, I can't imagine what this journey would have been like without you. And I hope I never have to. Me too. It was an easy buy though. You just talked about, I remember going back to Jasmine and my parents and you had laid out this, I mean, I'm sure you said it like, like really, really well, but basically it was like acts like you've talked about. And I remember thinking like, holy cow, that sounds awesome to be a part of a church where mm -hmm. people 
come to know Jesus daily. Like, I didn't see that. I grew up in the church, and I didn't see that. And where people were getting baptized and where the community was growing, and, like, just that was really attractive to be a part of a church that was, like, a biblical church. Yeah. So, but also, I knew it was going to be a good opportunity to learn and to grow, and, I mean, God was just kind of not not telling me to do it, but also not telling me not to do it. Yeah. Well, here we go. Let's see what the next 12 years has. We show you that because we want you to know how seriously we take the responsibility that you give us to properly steward the resources that you invest in this church because it is your generosity and your investment and your willingness to to give that has enabled us to do all the amazing things that we've done over the last 12 years, including this crazy one. And we believe that what God has in 2021 is even greater. That as crazy as 2020 has been, can I be honest with you? I believe it's all been a setup for what God has next. And God has strategically been positioning his church and helping us to figure out how to better leverage technology in such a way that what God is going to do on the other side of this madness is going to be far greater than any of us ever thought possible. The expansion of his kingdom is going to be greater than we even know right now. And I believe that what God has in store in the years ahead for this church are greater than any we've ever seen. That what lies ahead is greater than what's behind that there are more communities like Randall and that need churches like Vintage. And that what if we decided to, to multiply and replicate the powerful DNA of this church in other places? What if God is causing us to continue to raise up more leaders and plant more churches and feed more families and heal more marriages and see more addicts freed, see more people whose hope has been lost find it again? See, more people who have given up on the church believe that it is a place for them. And so every year, in order to propel ourselves into 2021, we open what we call an above and beyond offering. And it's where we just ask you between now and the end of the year just to pray about how God would call you to invest in the ministry of our church above and beyond your normal giving. And the reason why we open it today and we let it run for a month is because we don't even want to now give you the the pressure to give in this moment. This is not something that you do out of compulsion or out out of emotion. That we invite you to take the next few weeks just to see God about what he wants you to do. And our hope is that God speaks to your heart and whether it's zero or whether it's a million dollars, that you give as God leads your heart. Because it's people that have given out of obedience, not obligation the last 12 years that have positioned our church to be in the place that it's at. And look at me, church. The church will endure. As crazy as it's been, and although we went through months where we couldn't have people in this building, if anything we've learned is God's church will endure. And nothing politically or socially or whatever, nothing will ever deter the church of Jesus Christ. And he made this clear from the beginning when he has this conversation with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Because when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he looked at his disciples and said, On the truth of who I am, I will build something the world will know as the church, and not even hell will be able to stop it. It will endure because it is ordained by God to be his vehicle that takes the gospel to the world. And as long as there are people like y'all and people like those on the other side of these screens who believe in it enough to invest your resources in it, and as long as there are leaders like we're blessed with to make sure every single one of those resources is stewarded well, people will keep finding Jesus and heaven will be more full. So Father, we thank you that we get to be a part of something that's bigger than us. We get to be a part of something that's greater than any individual, that collectively we get to link arms with brothers and sisters. And although we're from all different walks of life, we come together under the blood of your son, forgiven and free children of God, that when we are united form one body to be your hands and feet in this world, and God, I thank you for all the service and sacrifice of so many down through the years that have made this church, your church, what it is. God, for the countless acts of generosity in every form, the financial generosity where people have sown thousands of dollars into making this place what it is, to the energy and time that people have sacrificed to create experiences and to invest in children and to raise the next generation of students. God, in all of it, I am blown away and honored. God, thank you for people who are willing to partner with this place to build your kingdom. And God, we believe that the best days are ahead, that no matter what 2021 holds, that God, you will still bring glory to your name and you will still use your church to be the light in this world that it desperately needs. And so God, I pray that you would help us just to live with a sense of anticipation. And on those days where we feel overwhelmed, that God will be reminded of your goodness and your favor and be constantly reminded that nothing that this world or this life will ever throw at us will stop your church from being what it's called to be. So God, raise up another generation of people, raise up a next group in the years ahead to take this church to new levels for the glory of your name and the good of this community. And we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said together. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.